welcome to New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life with excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email Pastor Eric at erik.anderson at nllutheran.com. the New Life Lutheran Podcast. Uh, today, we have myself, Pastor Ben, and with me is Pastor Eric, our discipleship pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, pastor Phil will be gone today, so we will miss him, but he's suffering a death in the family, and so uh, please be praying for him, but he will not be able to join us today yeah. as we continue our discussion on prayer. But he'll be back next week. He will be back yeah. next week. Don't worry, he's not permanently gone. <laughs> this is just a, a short break, and so you will have him back soon. Uh, offering his voice to the podcast, and so look forward to that. Well, hopefully last week, as we began this conversation, or actually continued this conversation about prayer, hopefully you were able to join us. And if you weren't, I encourage you to go back. I mean, truly, that is the beauty of a podcast. You have control of what you listen to, when you want to listen to it. And so if you missed part two, go back, listen to part two, and continue today with our conversation. But... If you've done that, if you listen to all the podcasts so far, get ready because we're going to jump on in. And we're going to start with uh, Pastor Eric. Pastor Eric, last week I spoke about how some people mm-hmm. feel unworthy mm-hmm. or, or feel unequipped to pray. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned how we were playing another church's uh, church league volleyball team, and afterwards we prayed together, and some said, hey, I, I, we don't have a pastor on our team, so we can't pray when I offered them the opportunity to pray. Of course, like I said before, that was that was very, very sad. Um, I wish people all felt confident in their prayer. Of course, if you truly think about it, though, aren't we all unworthy to pray? I mean, we're talking to a God who is far beyond us, a, a God of perfection, and we are people of imperfection. And so how do we feel worthy to pray? Or maybe should we even pray? And so, Pastor Eric... How is it that we can speak to a perfect God when we are so imperfect? Yeah, so we um, talked a little bit about this yesterday uh, for our midweek services. We we began um, our walk through the Lord's Prayer, and when Jesus introduced prayer to his disciples, um, which we know from Luke that the context is they ask him, teach us how to pray. Um he says, when you pray, and he gives these examples, don't be like these people who uh, use all these fancy words and they do it in front of everybody to show off. He said, also, don't be like uh, these other people who just heap up empty phrases, use lots of words, um, and are kind of like uh, uh, fearful and and just are rambling on because they're afraid of, of this deity that they're praying to. He says, instead, when you pray, um, pray uh, privately. Um, and, be, and he says we pray, we pray privately because um, our God is our Father who um, hears us and knows us um, intimately. And so it's, he says prayer is a relational connection. Um, and then he also uh, continues on to say, uh, when you pray, and then he gives the Lord's Prayer, and he says, our Father in heaven. 
uphold the holiness of your name. So Jesus, um, his teachings kind of switch um, what might be the common understanding of prayer um, and maybe even the common understanding that many Jews had um, because of their, their religious context. Oh, did you want to ask? Well, why don't you talk about the pre the priest? Okay, so I'll the, start there. Okay, yeah, and then I'll lead into it. Okay, um, and so because of that, uh, this kind of religious context that they had, um, where God uh, showed them that He wanted um, sacrifices for their sins, He needed there needed to be some sort of atonement uh, for there to be a relational connection, um, which is all setting up for Jesus. Um, what happened is that me, people misinterpreted that to be um, God is some sort of uh, vindictive judge who needs us to, um, he demands that we make some sort of, um, uh, that, that we actually have to suffer somehow in order to be connected with him, uh, which as you, if you read through the Old Testament, um, that's really not the case. But that's how it got interpreted because he provided all of these um, um, rules. And so Jesus really kind of flips the script um, because of who he is and how um, he taught. And a lot of times in the Old Testament, that that conduit, uh, the sacrifices and, and things of that nature, that communication with God were, were the priests. And so even today, we still struggle, like I just spoke about, we kind of see the pastor that way, like the mm-hmm. pastor prays right. for me, the pastor's prayer has more power. Uh, but if we were yeah. just to back up in history, and if Pastor Phil were here, I would just ask him what it was like <laughs> when he was a little kid. No, of course, I'm joking. But but I do want to kind of step into that understanding of, you know, let's imagine the temple is there. Right. The sacrifices are still necessary. Only the high priest can go into the Holy of Holies. You know, all that stuff and all that reality that they lived in. So Pastor Eric, if you could drop yourself into that piece of history, what do you think that would be like? How, how would you understand your relationship with God in that context? Right, yeah. So then, then it becomes, in, in many ways, it becomes transactional, where um, I, can, I can misinterpret uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing from the, from the scriptures and what I'm experiencing in the temple to be that God is a distant God who does not want to speak to me and that I have to go to him and offer all these sacrifices, um, which, of course, Jesus shows us that that's not actually what um, the Old Testament is saying, um, but it's, it's easy for us because we're so, um, because we're religious people um, and because we think that we have to strive, we're kind of um, what Gerhard Ferdy called theologians of glory. We think that we have to strive up to God and, and work our way up the ladder to him because we as humans have this natural tendency to think that about our world. Um, when we read the Old Testament, sometimes we can read it with that lens where we're reading it as if um, if I had to go to the temple and I had to give these sacrifices and a priest had to give the sacrifices on my behalf, um, it's as if I have to do all, I have to check all these boxes before I could ever go to God. So it actually, it could create a distant relationship um, and it could create a sense of God's out there, and I have to um, have somebody um, who can safely go in my place. Kind of like a, you know, for I think of um, there's this old astronaut movie, and I can't remember 
uh, what it was. But they were, these astronauts went to Mars. And uh, one of the astronauts there was this big sandstorm, and they had to go rescue somebody or some piece of equipment. And the astronaut got all ready, and they knew they weren't going to have contact. They tie a rope around his waist, and he, like, wanders into this sand, this dangerous sandstorm. And, like, that's almost how um, the priests were treated as, like, okay, you're going to enter into this dangerous place. You're going to be our media, you know. Um, our mediator in this place, and I'm glad that I don't have to go in, but you're going to go in and do that for me. Yeah, I had this professor in in college, and she was a New Testament professor, and she got removed fairly quickly. <laughs> uh, but but one of the reasons was because she basically was teaching that the the New Testament basically removed the necessity for the Old Testament. Mm. Like, because the New Testament is here, we don't ever have to study the Old Testament. Oh, wow. But as we study the Old Testament, even though it can be confusing, and it feels so counter to the New Testament, mm-hmm. there's a lot of beauty there. And I've thought a lot about this, and I wondered why Jesus didn't show up immediately after the Garden. Mm. And the answer is, as humans, we are slow learners. We are slow learners, which means we weren't ready for Jesus. Yeah. It was going to take a whole system and a whole pile of revelation Mm -hmm. across the centuries to Mm -hmm. get us ready for Jesus. Mm -hmm. It starts with the temple. The temple shows up. That's the place where we meet God, and then Jesus temples among us. The sacrifices prepare us for the perfect sacrifice that that leads us into a place where we don't need sacrifices anymore. And if you go through the Old Testament with Jesus in mind, you see all these practices and all these things are just preparing our hearts for Jesus, helping right. us understand Jesus and and his purpose. And so the Old Testament is completely necessary. It is right. worth yeah. reading. It honestly helps us understand the New Testament in an incredible way. Without it, the New Testament would be very, very confusing. Yeah. And so Jesus and God used the Old Testament to help us take baby steps all the way right. to the cross so we can understand that. Because just Jesus showing up, mm-hmm. dying on a cross, a blood sacrifice, doesn't make sense Since to us. Right. That's right. And so we use all this history and, and all the majority of the Bible to help us lead all the way to the cross. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully that helps you understand the Old Testament in a fresher way if you've been avoiding it because right. it's confusing. And there are parts where it's it's incredibly it hard confusing. to read. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's, a, there's a lot of rules and laws, and there's descriptions of how the priests should sacrifice the animals, and then they tell us... That they did sacrifice the animals mm-hmm. that way and repeat everything. Yeah, times. so that's yeah. a that's a brutal section of scripture. But but the beauty in it is they're leading people to understand through the centuries, from generation to generation, that these blood atonements were necessary, mm-hmm. and then it leads all the way to the cross. And so, Pastor Eric, what happened in the New Testament that changed everything? Changed our perspective? Right. Changed these people's perspective? Changed how we view? the high priest and priests and sacrifices and, and the temple and everything. What happened in the New Testament? Right. So when Jesus came on the scene, um, his teaching and his life, uh, he utilized this, just like you mentioned there, God had provided this this like wealth of revelation and wealth of images and ideas that the, the Jewish people would have understood. And so when Jesus came, he began to reinterpret all of those or interpret them in the correct way. Um, so he revealed to people how how they had set up all of these all this revelation to be about the things that I have to do to make God happy with me. 
instead of these are all the graces that God has given me to live well. Um, so he began to reinterpret, do this work of revealing that um, the law is, although it is um, from God, and it is the one of the greatest things that we have as humans, um, it couldn't, it can't actually make people righteous. So he began to do this work of revealing how the law is um, is uh, it's not it 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 doesn't fulfill all the things that it needs to in the human heart. And what needed to happen is God needed to send himself down um, to be the sacrifice, to fulfill the law. And so uh, the early Jesus followers, um, the Jesus movement, they understood Jesus as this new superior Moses, Abraham, high priest, um, mediator figure. And, uh, and in fact, we're told in Hebrews 4, uh, which is a letter that was written to uh, some of the Jesus followers um, uh, several, a couple decades after his death. Um, this is what it says in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Also, let's hold on to the confession, since we have a great high priest, the confession of Jesus is Lord, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens who is Jesus, God's son. Because we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses, he became human for us, but instead one who is tempted in every way that we are, except without sin. Finally, let us draw near to the throne of favor with confidence so that we can receive mercy and find grace when we need help. So in Jesus, something changed uh, where all of the kind of human inclination that God is distant and I need to make him happy um, was shattered. And in Jesus, now we can actually go to God with confidence. And this is why he, when he taught the disciples to pray, he said, pray our father, uh, go to him as a father. We no longer have to go to him as some Zeus-like deity who is just waiting for us to mess up and he's going to strike us with a thunderbolt. He de- he deconstructs the human need um, to have a judging, uh, fearful have a, a fearful approach to God, who is this kind of cosmic judge. And now we can know him as Father. And Jesus's work did that. Uh, this is echoed by Paul in Ephesians chapter two, when he says, "It is because of Jesus that we can pray with confidence." So when Jesus came on the scene. Um, he switched everything. He de- he just destroyed all of our religious inclinations of us getting up to heaven. And instead, God came down to us. Heaven came to earth. And now we can exist with God because of Jesus' sacrifice, because of his own mediation with God. Now we can go to God as our father, and he's no longer this cosmic judge um, that we need to be afraid of. And the whole Old Testament sets that up. Um, it sets up that reality. Uh, it was just misunderstood and misinterpreted. Um, but Jesus very clearly saw himself in the scriptures. And in fact, he told the Pharisees, you search the scriptures thinking you can find life in them, but all the scriptures point to me. Everything's about me in the Old Testament. Um, and so Jesus comes and he fulfills the law. He fulfills the requirements. He's the final sacrifice. He's the perfect mediator. And now we can enter into this space where we no longer have to send the guy out into the sandstorm with a rope attached to his waist. Um, now we can enter with confidence 
um, into this place, this relationship with God um, as our Father and not as some cosmic judge. One thing that's really interesting as we're talking about history and the connection of the Old Testament and New Testament is that all throughout history, Christians, Jewish, or, or non, prayer has been a consistent element. From the, mm. from the early days, humans are, are not that much different, right? We, we eat, we drink, we fall in love, we have relationships, and we pray across the board. And so, Pastor Eric, why don't you walk us through as we look over right. some of the history of prayer or really just the reality of prayer in our modern day. Mm-hmm. The reality is a lot of people pray. This right. isn't just a, a Christian thing. It's not just a Jewish thing. Um, could you just walk us through some of the uniqueness of prayer that exists in our world? Yeah, so there are, um, like you mentioned, pretty much any any set of belief has some sort of prayer um, experience, uh, some sort of way that we verbal verbally connecting to um, some sort of other, some sort of divine other, uh, cosmic other, uh, and uh, most, and I would argue that um, all prayer, except for Christ-centered prayer, is trying to um, build a ladder to God. Um, however, it is that 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 particular set of belief or religion um, understands God. So there's lots of different kinds of prayer. Um, you know, in the Hindu world, they have several different types of prayer um, and other sort of transcendental meditation. Um, in the Buddhist world, they don't have prayer, maybe as we would understand it, but it's a lot of meditation and reaching down into yourself, um, which again, I would ultimately say is prayer, because um, in place of some sort of divine other, it's just the divine self. Um, you're kind of led to praying to yourself, uh, which I would also say is um, uh, this kind of meditative prayer is probably what a lot of um, Western uh people in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, practice of some sort, um, even uh, positive, like words of affirmation to yourself is a prayer, right? You're praising yourself and you're lifting yourself up. You're speaking to the divine self. Um, so I would even say people who like practice positive thinking and words of affirmation to themselves, that's in fact also prayer. Um, there's, uh, when you look at uh some sociologists like uh, Freud, Sigmund Freud, and Carl Jung, um, they would say that prayer served an evolutionary purpose and that it's no longer needed. Um, but I would argue again that I think that people are more prayerful now than in the West than we've been in a long time uh, because we've we've lifted up self to be God. Um, but pretty much when it boils down to it, um, there are two, and, and Tim Tim Keller in his book highlights this, and I think he does a good job. There are, there are two primary types of prayer in the world. There's mystical prayer, um, which is reaching down into ourselves to find God. Um, so this would be a lot of like transcendental meditation. Uh, this would be um, Jungian um, psychoanalysis. Uh, this would be a lot of... Um, like uh, Buddhist kind of meditation, mystical, reaching down into myself. Um, I'm not dialoguing with anything except for myself. And then there's a second kind of prayer, and that's prophetic prayer, which would be practiced uh, primarily um, by, uh, you know, the, the Muslim world, the Jewish world, and the Christian world, where we are dialoguing with um, 
God. We are dialoguing with a being who is external to us, and our prayer is is dialogue with them. So all worldwide prayer, um, I think, can be safely understood as as a spectrum of that those two categories: mystical prayer and prophetic prayer, mystical prayer being meditative, reaching down into ourselves, and then the prophetic prayer being reaching out um, or, or looking outward and um, to the external being and communicating with them that way. So as we talk about that history and that reality that we all live in now, and that prayer, for the most part, is still embraced, it's just viewed differently or utilized differently, how do these thoughts con- connect or conflict with our Christian understanding of prayer. Yeah. So I would say Christianity, Christian prayer, I think ends up being um, a both and situation. And I don't mean that um, just to be, just to like cop out (laughs) of like, and, and, and not come down hard. But I think it's, I think it's a both and situation where as we established last week, and uh, Pastor Phil and I and and you talked last week about how prayer is a response to God's word, so it is external. There is there is a distinctly external aspect to our prayer, where there is another being that is different and separate from us that we have to talk to, communicate with, and deal with in prayer. Um, God has made us, um, he has formed us, he has shaped us, he has set us where we are, um, but he has made us distinct from himself. We are a distinct will and a distinct person from himself. Uh, and so now we have to dialogue with him, we have to engage with him. And we either can or we can choose to dialogue with him or not to. Um, so at one point, uh, in one way, it's ex- it is definitely external. But it also is internal because God speaks to us from within our spirit. We are given the Holy Spirit, um, and the Holy Spirit communicates to us from with, within us. Um, when people ask me um, questions like, how can, I, how can I hear from God? When I, the, the times that I think I hear from God, it just sounds like my own voice. And I say, it, it should sound like your own voice. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you in your spirit, um, so it's going to sound like your own voice when you when you hear God. Um, so we have to strike some sort of balance where, on one hand, we do go very deep into the depths of our soul. Um, we reflect deeply on our emotions and within us, um, but ultimately that is brought into this sort of external experience where we are engaging with God and speaking with him. And ultimately, this prayer leads to increased faith, um, which then leads us to action. That leads us to God gives us good works um, when we interact with him and when we have faith in him. Um, So yeah, we do some introspection, um, but from beginning to end, there's external work that is done to us and there's external work that is given to us to do to love and serve our neighbors um, at the end of the day. So uh, Christianity, I don't know, is really, really both and. I don't know what, what you're thinking about that, Pastor Ben. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I, I think there's we, we try to come to this point where like, okay, what is prayer or what 
what do I have to do to pray? It probably is the same question as the disciples. Teach us how to pray. What's the formula? What's the pattern? How do we how do we do this? And and I think we get we get off track when we do that. Maybe we get too rigid when we do that. Mm. And you kind of alluded to it already. It's the it's the conversation with the heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. And when you think about your conversation with your dad, your conversation sounds different with your dad than my conversation with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so just freeing ourselves up to to really have that response to God's word and also that that communication with the Holy Spirit and just giving ourselves the freedom to engage with both of those things in in somewhat of a free freewheeling way. Right. Uh, just putting that focus on our Father is a is a great way, like a, like we talked about this past Wednesday in our Lenten services, to re-engage with God in a way that we understand that He's in heaven. We understand that He is perfect. We understand that honestly we are too small to engage with Him. But He allows us to. He wants right. us to. He calls us to. And then He gives us the freedom to engage with Him. Uh, kind of on our on our style in our way, mm-hmm. and uh, so I think a lot of it. Even if you go back to some of these historical things, different religions and even different philosophies, they try to teach patterns, try to teach ways. Yeah, they try to teach strategies. I, I won't get bogged down in that. Is understand that God speaks to us through His Word. That's His primary way of communicating to us. Uh, obviously, there's the Holy Spirit working with us and hopefully giving us insight, which we should always check with the Word of God, and then we speak to Him. And how you speak to Him is different than how how I speak to Him. Obviously, He can filter through all that stuff. If you mm-hmm. speak a different language than me, you speak Spanish or French or whatever, He can understand that. If you mispronounce people's names on the prayer list, He can understand that. <laughs> there's There's all these things, and just giving yourself the freedom to engage with the perfect being we mm-hmm. don't deserve to talk to, mm-hmm. uh, but just approaching him as as a heavenly father. So, Pastor Eric, do you have a little bit more to add into this idea of Christian oh, prayer? Yeah. yeah, you know, I think that um, you brought up a good a good point about God has get, God has created us each as individuals, and so we each have our own personality. We each have our own um, kind of emotional matrix, the way that we filter through. Um, things that go on in our life, we all have our own experiences, um, and God has God has shaped that and formed that, and so that that is an important part of our prayer life is understanding that, um, and, and we see this in the Psalms is that really there are there are almost no rules when it comes to engaging with God. If we're responding to His Word and we're and we are um, seeking to know Him and be known by Him, um, I think He honors that, and in the Psalms. There, I mean, there's just straight up sinful thoughts in the Psalms. Um, you know, th- like at one point in one Psalm, the psalmist prays that uh, the the babies of their enemies would be dashed against rocks. I mean, it's horrible, right? There, and so really, you the gloves are off um, when it comes to praying to God, uh, which is scary uh, because then we have to confront our own failure, and we are confronted with a perfect, a perfect being, um, an all loving being. And, um, but th- there is an emotional aspect to that. But even though it's emotional, um, the second thing I would want to mention is that it's grounded, uh, because there's a confidence that we can have in God's promises to us. God never breaks his promises. Um, so yes, you know, we're going to have to struggle through emotionally, but at the end of the day, he promises us, um, 
the things that we need to make it through the day. He promises us um, joy and peace and confidence in him. He promises us patience. Um, he promises us um, uh, the toughness to get through suffering. He, he promises us these things, and we can rely on him to give us those things. Even if we're emotionally whatever, like we're spiraling, um, we can go back and we can have faith in God. Um, so there's a kind of confidence, like a groundedness that comes, um, that, that happens in prayer, uh, because it's going to lead us back to, to God's word. Um, then it also, um, it does in fact change us. So kind of, as I mentioned before, um, we are given confidence and we are given joy. We are given peace. We are given those things and we are changed in our, in our prayer. Um, and, and I like, I can't remember who said it, maybe it was Richard Foster or Dallas Willard, um, but one of those spiritual formation guys, uh, they said to, to pray is to change, to be confronted with God is in fact to be transformed by him. Uh, so we are, we are changed in our prayers. Um, it's listening to God as we talked about, and then it's also this awakening, um, we, we learn to, to find God in, um, all different places in our lives. We see him working through, uh, people and working through situations that maybe we would have missed him before, but we become aware of our surroundings a little bit more. We are awakened to his presence in all that we do and in all that goes on around us. So, uh, I, I like, I like the phrase, um, to know God and to be known by Him, um, that's from Ephesians. Uh, Paul says, "Now that now that you know God, um, and then well, he says, now that you have come to know God, well, actually have come to be known by God. Uh, so there's a way that that as we pray to God, we become more of ourselves, and we are actually released to be ourselves in a new way. And so, and so, yeah, we are changed. We're transformed." Um, into the likeness of Christ, we're given His graces. Uh, but in another sense, our emotions and our personality and our uh, experiences, those things are amplified. And we can actually become more of ourselves, and we can become more fulfilled, and we can be, become more grounded even in ourselves. Um, that's also the change that happens, because we are known by God. God reveals things about us and opens us up in new ways, and uh, we get to know God. We get to engage with him and be comforted by him and have his Holy Spirit. Uh, so I like that. I like this idea of prayer is knowing and being known by God. Well, we've kind of alluded to it over the last couple conversations. Uh, we've talked about the role of Holy Scripture in regards to our prayer life as, as, first of all, the Bible being God's primary tool of communicating to us, and also a checks and balances on the intuition that we feel through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and this is honestly so crucial. And uh, right now we just live in a day and age where everyone has a microphone in front of their face, right? We literally have a microphone in front of our faces right that now. That is exactly <laughs> right. And so hopefully we are the right people with the microphone in front of yeah, our face. We are two white dudes with the podcast. <laughs> finally, finally, they've given a podcast. It's nice to have a voice. <laughs> but, you know, we, we do live in a time with social media. And where I see it the most is on Facebook, where everyone has a voice. And some people who have never had a voice before, some people who maybe should never have a voice, to be honest, have a venue now to spew stuff. 
And I know that sounds gross because I, I think what I'm seeing is, is kind of grotesque, to be honest, where they take these insights that they're getting that are not historically grounded. There's no commentary that backs it up. And honestly, there's no scripture that backs mm-hmm, it up. And mm-hmm. they just throw this stuff out there and their X amount of friends share it and move it on. And all of a sudden, yeah. these internet lies travel so fast right. and have so much influence over us. It's horrible. And so in our modern day, it's even more important to have the Word of God right, right beside us, because anyone and everyone can self-publish on Amazon yep. for nothing. That's right. Anyone and everyone can self-publish through their updates on Twitter and Facebook mm-hmm. and things like that. And so to be honest, these, mm-hmm. these venues are hard for me to even be on, because just watching people that I know say stuff they shouldn't. Yeah. And uh, I'm definitely not going to spend my day getting in these battles. Yeah. Uh, so it's a it's a different it's a different time. It's a different time, and it's even more important that we have God's word right next to us. That we we know God's word, because with every opinion available on the face of the earth instantaneously on the internet, it's very very important that we are historically grounded. We are grounded in the word of God, and we ask ourselves the question: If this is such this is this revelation is such a, an amazing insight? Why didn't God give it to us thousands of years ago? Why didn't the disciples have it? Why didn't the early church fathers have it? And when those things happen, of course, it should show up as a major red flag in our in our lives. Mm-hmm. But I've kind of led into this pretty pretty heavily. But mm-hmm. but Pastor Eric, yeah, as we as we think about prayer, and sometimes we think of it as a one sided conversation. We speak to God. What, what role does Holy Scripture, God's Word, play into our prayer life? Yeah, so uh, we won't, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this um, because I taught on it yesterday at our midweek Lent service, um, and that's on this podcast, and it's also on YouTube. Um, so you can go back and you can get some more details there because um, this is what I taught on. But, but essentially, I, I like to look at it um, with the metaphor of learning a language. So my kids, my two boys, they have been spoken to a lot. And uh, Ambrose right now, he's one. He can't say any words. Uh, but we keep speaking to him. We talk to him. We read books to him. Uh, Augustine, our older one, talks to him. We He is hearing tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of words, different words, um, before he ever speaks one. And that's how language is learned. We don't give my one-year-old an English grammar textbook. We speak to him. And learning to speak to God is exactly the same way, where you are not, you are not given a textbook to know how to pray. There's no textbook on prayer. Um, there's no textbook on communicating with God. It starts with God speaking to you, which is what the scriptures do. So I like to think of the stories and the images and the ideas and the teachings of scripture as God's language. These are the holy, inspired uh, revelation from God uh, these are the categories that we can think about him and talk about him. These are uh, these are the categories that God has given to us um, 
to help us know how he speaks, to help us know and to understand him when he speaks to us. So if you want a great prayer life, it starts by having a great listening life. Um, hearing the scriptures, knowing the scriptures, knowing the images, the major themes, understanding the big story, understanding the concepts, because then as you're praying and as you're seeing things in the world, you can see, oh, that's just like this thing in scripture, or oh, that's a lot like this other thing that happened in scripture. And you, be, you can begin to, to discern um, all the voices that you're hearing um, the voices that you hear on social media, the voices that you hear from within yourself, um, your own flesh, the devil, um, the world, you can discern those voices and you can understand when God's speaking to you um, as opposed to when your own flesh is speaking to you or your or the devil is speaking to you. You can begin to understand God's language in the way he speaks by understanding scripture. So I really do, I really do believe that scripture must... It must be, it must come first. And in the meantime, um, my one-year-old son this morning when he was upset about whatever and we were, we were in our bedroom and he was rolling around on the floor crying, uh, throwing a fit because he couldn't, Sarah wouldn't let him have whatever, her phone or something like that. That still works. That kind of, that kind of communication still works even if he can't really understand me yet, and even if he can't articulate his own words. So in the meantime, while you're learning God's language, you can still pray to him, and you should still pray to him, because he does honor those things. Um, but I, that's the, you know, we've talked about uh, how prayer is a response. We've talked about how God speaks to us first. But I think just real practically, um, we have to know we have, to, we have to know the images and themes of Scripture in order to be able to discern and listen to God when He speaks to us. Well, that wraps up our podcast for this morning. Hopefully, you were able to, to glean some insight from it and, and learn how to connect with God in a more powerful way and understand that Christ is the center of all prayer. And so we go to Him like our, our Heavenly Father, and uh, we have a great conversation with Him. We don't have any necessarily any strategies or patterns that we are required to have, uh, but we take in prayer for what it is, a beautiful conversation between God and ourselves, and we go to Him boldly. Mm-hmm. Even though we are imperfect, He is perfect. We we go to Him because He has called us to Himself. Yeah. And so we go to a, a perfect God because He has decided to have a relationship yeah. with imperfect people. And so we cultivate that relationship through prayer. So hopefully you had a great time this morning. Hopefully you had some insight. Hopefully your prayer life has grown. So we will see you guys next week, and we look forward to joining you once again with Pastor Eric, Pastor Phil, and myself, Pastor Ben, to continue our conversation about prayer.